Can you hear me now? We can, Cameron. What's up? How are you, man? I have hey, never man. been better. <laughs> That's good. Mark Cameron, it's good to know you exist. I am not just a figment of your imagination. <laughs> you know, I, I've I've got this uh, you know this theory that you're kind of like the Wizard of Oz, right? That um, you know we're we're now getting the man behind the curtain, which is which is awesome. I've been called much stranger things than that. <laughs> the fat bald Willy Wonka, I like that. I don't know, man. You're the only guy I know that can. You're the only guy I personally know that can pull off a bow tie with class. Well, you understand that rule six is no ties and no socks. Yeah. But uh, yeah. when the Duchess says you'll wear a tie, you'll wear a tie. <laughs> so, Cameron, our style, which you will appreciate, is pretty much <laughs> off the cuff. And instead of some formal introduction, we're going right now. And what we thought uh, today, we would just have a, a really casual conversation with Cameron Popkin and uh, Cameron Popkin needs a little introduction for those of us that know him fairly well but let me give you a little background to how cool this guy is my first experience with Cameron Popkin I think I was googling on the web I'm searching around and I come across this website or somebody actually was on Twitter but their moniker was promotional anarchy and you just gotta know what is who is this person? Turns out to be a guy named Cameron K A M R A N Popkin, creative director at Swag Club. And that before I knew it, this was like a year, Cameron, before you sent me a note. Before I knew it, uh, about a year later, I guess I received this card because we followed each other on Twitter, and I received this card in the mail, and it was, it was, it was really cool. Um, I've seen a lot of creative direct mail in my life, and it had a little note on it, burn after reading. Even the envelope was sealed with wax. It had all this mystery and intrigue around it. And it was from Swag Club, Promotional Anarchy. And uh, Mark and I have been intrigued by your branding and your company since day one. Can you tell us a little bit about your company and and what you do? Well, why don't we start with the whole anarchy thing because it sounds like that may have raised a feather or something with you <laughs> it did. and I, apolog- I apologize for my voice i'm a little under the weather it's road hard and put up wet being me <laughs> no problem the anarchy thing is kind of a contrapositive to the industry and i mean no offense to present company but many of us in this industry see ourselves as authorities and things that we're not and my first colleague in this field uh, named his company Promotional Authority. And he, he posited that you could take the top five items from the top five suppliers and go door-to-door and make a living. He's not incorrect. You could. But that's not the right way to do it. That gives everyone a cookie-cutter supply, su- a, a cookie-cutter solution, and everybody's story is different. Everybody deserves better solutions than just the top five things from the top five companies. Hmm. So my anarchy is... There's no silver bullet for you. What we sold um, BMW last week, we would never sell to Mini next week. And what we're doing for Michelin, we would never do for Goodyear. We, w- we need it to be authentic, intimate, and unexpected. It cannot be cookie cutter. You know, Cameron, I, I, your approach is so refreshing, and I think you're you're certainly speaking to the converted here, no no question. And you know, I think that the the, the reason why 
that that the the approach that you discussed there in terms of taking those top five items and going door to door is that that approach scales so well for suppliers, right? You know, us as distributors are uh, to some extent a sales force or just a sales force for the suppliers, and that works really well for them. And they've created this environment where you can have lots and lots of people out there selling little bits of, of um, or a small amount of revenue every year, but it scales because it's easy and the message is the same. So there's a real a conformity and uniformity to it. Um, your approach from a scaling perspective is something that might be questionable. Is that, is that, a, um, is that a concern? You care about that? I, I, I think I know the answer, but I, I just wanted to take that other, other approach in terms of um, you know, how, how, how your business and your model is able to scale, if that's something that you're even interested in. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the word scale because we talk about it a lot in our office. What size is big enough? I'm a huge fan of Professor Dr. Robin Dunbar, who posits that you can only have 150 tight relationships. Yep, absolutely. I'm not going to say that that number's in stone. Certainly that's flexible within reason, but we don't intend to scale. We don't want 10,000. We need 150 that are tight. And we work very hard to tighten those. Our tribe will top out at 150 and there will never be 151. Yeah. You yeah, we uh we we Bobby we we had a a really cool podcast with Danny Sermon from Zebra Promotions a couple weeks ago and a big theme was this whole idea of growing past happy and I think that what you say in terms of this whole 150 thing is really refreshing because I think a lot of a lot of distributors, particularly distributors that want to grow for whatever whatever reason, I think confuse quality with quantity. And what you and I just love this idea that you're capping out at 150. And I mean, hey, I'm looking at this card you sent me, and I had a 149 on it. So I don't know whether you know that 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 means I'm I'm close to capping things out with you. Although Mark, I, I think, think that's I called love bottom, to be a client. I think that's called bottom of the barrel what that's yeah called. yeah Mark. yeah quite possible I, I think there was something stamped on that said burn after reading we can't discuss this that's right <laughs> that's yeah right. Uh, oh there was oh gosh you're right hey, hey I'm, I, I'm, I'm gonna go get my lighter right now and <laughs> so Cameron, can you can you speak a little bit to this tribes aspect just a little bit more and you've gone as far as literally numbering them i know distributors right now that are extremely frustrated by their um lack of growth, this perception that they should be growing a certain way. I mean, you've done things that are pretty counterintuitive to most salespeople. Can you talk about the tribe you're building? Um, I'm glad you brought that up. Although you gave me the title of creative director, that was an affectation that I took on years ago. Really what I am is the tribe leader, and I am seeking other tribe leaders. This movement is about helping other tribe leaders tell their story. And the way that we have found it to be most elegant is around a campfire, roasting a llama, drinking some makers, shooting off some Chinese lanterns and some explosives, and tightening our tribe in a manner completely unheard of. We don't want to run a golf tournament with par three. We want to change the world. We're not looking to do the easy stuff. We're looking to do the messy stuff. We serve tribes worth serving people with interesting problems, not just 
uh, a government functionary who's got a purchase order and RFP. We're looking for people who really are trying to change the world. Passionate people, passionate leaders who have problems that we're interested in. That's who we need and that's who we got. Cameron, has that been a, has that been a struggle from starting and maintaining because there have got to be a different you've got to be pulled in directions such as calling on the purchasing department of XYZ Corp or those days where you think maybe I should go. I mean, you really are trying to say, I'm going to build my business working with the kind of people that I want to work with. All of us like to say that. And many of us can do that after a certain amount of years in the business. You kind of have the luxury of doing that. But some people that are starting out right away, can you shed a little light on what that was like for you in the early days? You drew that line in the sand. Um, Has there been struggles trying to create this really hardline tribe um, and what advice would you have to those that are that are that, that hear you and go, man, that is exactly what I need to do? That sounds so counterintuitive and so pie in the sky, but the truth is, if you can surround yourself with people that inspire you to do better work, you will do better work. Now, the target that we have, we call the creative class. It's people that are involved in TEDx's, Pachachkas. Uh, they're involved in different colleges and ministries and nonprofits that they're passionate about. I can't tell the starting distributor, hey, here's what's a good fit for you. Here's an easy target. But I will tell you who to run away from. Bean counters, purchasing agents, people who are just phoning it in. Yeah. The only people that you can differentiate yourself with are people who give a shit about what you're doing. And that means people who you give a shit about. Bobby, I see that you're involved in some boys home mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. i don't i don't even know what it means but i know that if you're passionate about that you could surround yourself with other philanthropic organizations with that sort of target and you could serve them in a way that i couldn't other people are passionate about humane society or uh, habitat for humanity or mobile meals you can build a business around that around something you care about if we won the lottery today, we would not go to the beach. We would build more offices so we can serve more of our tribe in other cities. I don't know that other distributors that are fat and happy would say that. Right. I think the four-hour work week is counterintuitive. I think the four-hour work week is an anathema to what we really believe. If you're doing what you were put here to do, you would do it twice as hard for half the money because you love doing it. And that passion only comes across when you surround yourself with people that energize you, not that drain you. Purchasing agents, their job is to, to beat you down. That that's not that's not a good place to hunt. I think Cameron, what you're talking about is you know reinforcing a theme that we've talked about for quite some time, uh, which is the power of relationships. You know, I think about the beauty of your brand and the genius of it is this: how you've been able to surround yourself with people that are like-minded, people that love you and love you for your quirkiness and your your approach to marketing and you love them for the same thing. And at the end of the day, that that's a relationship much like how a more cookie-cutter distributor would still be able to call upon a 
client that they've got a good relationship with. And sure, they might be selling the top five products and it's a little bit more lame. Um, but it is interesting as to how the common denominator always seems to come back to relationship. And the reason I mention this is that Bobby and I have wrestled with this idea around e-commerce and technology and the role that that's going to play over the course of the next five years. And I, well, I think we agree it's, and I'm going, I'm mentioning a whole bunch of things in, in this as I usually do with my questions, but, um, you know, the next, the next several years, I think that we'll see technology and e-commerce playing a really important role, but I'm not entirely sure that that will ever displace the relationships that are so key. So that's a statement, but maybe that's a way of also asking you this question around how you see the world of e-commerce and the world of technology and social media and, and where that's going and how that uh, will will help or hurt your brand as it stands today. Um, social media is the ultimate force multiplier because yep. I can be in the stream, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or Foursquare, whatever, of the people that I'm interested in. The, the collapse of the distributor model is going to continue and people who suck are going to get left behind. People want to buy from people they like and people that they're inspired by. And this is the perfect time to be a distributor in what we do. Because if you give a rip and you really want to make a difference, the, the tools that are at, that are at hand are infinite. And the guys that are those just order takers, they're going to get their butts handed to them. And they deserve to. Those guys that are just taking orders for koozies deserve to go out of business. And I'll say that proudly and loudly. <laughs> Bobby, <laughs> what do you think, buddy? Hey, um, you know, I'll, I'll bet we have a couple of koozie orders in the house. Yeah. And, you know, uh, of course, you guys, you, you, I know you, I'm right, I'm staying, I'm staying Bobby, right you're the worst, buddy. You I'm terrible. Worst. Here, here's why you guys need to understand. I'm in Oklahoma, man. Koozies work here. I'm telling you. <laughs> okay. So, so Cameron. One of the coolest things that I have uh, really enjoyed is you—you uh, you put it out there. Um, there is a there has always been a certain element of risk when it comes to social media, your brand, your own personal brand. You have got this really anarchist vibe going. This this that your, your whole attitude coming across even just in this podcast. Even but if people follow you, your tweets, what you say on Facebook, what's really cool is you are definitely differentiating yourselves from the guy that's throwing up a koozie cell. At the end of the day, what's funny, product the product itself is is immaterial because at the end of the day, if a koozie is the right product for our clients, we're both doing the same thing. We're both trying to help them get their message out. We're both trying to partner with them in stronger ways than just throwing up a koozie. One of my 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 own personal problems with most of what I see in the industry, and I know it's yours, Cameron, because I hear you I hear you talk about this a lot, is the whole two for one sale. The the um, interruption marketing that pervades our industry is pathetic and what you have done is you have differentiated yourself in such a bold way that um, more people need to follow you and by the way i'm rambling like mark i don't know that i have a question there but i wanted to point people to your website swagclub.biz and again we're talking to cameron popkin k-a-m-r-a-n-p-o-p-k-i-n somebody we've wanted to have on the podcast for a long time uh, I'm glad you brought up interruption because to me, the interruption model is dead and the permission asset of someone's attention is the most valuable thing we have. 
I send something out to our inner circle once a week called Project Interruption. And every time I hit send, I throw up in my mouth a little bit because I know I'm interrupting 149 people. I don't like interrupting 149 people, especially my blood brothers. But I know that I've got something to say. I'm not going to send them a sale flyer. I'm not going to send them free setup, free shipping, bull****. I'm going to send them something from my heart that's so intimate that I wouldn't send it to anyone but my blood brothers. When, And it's funny because I'm subscribed to a whole bunch of lists of the interruption marketers. And it's, it's comical. It's so unprofessional and so amateurish. It's templatized crap. And it, basically their differentiation point is this is on sale, this is on closeout, free setup, free shipping. Our tool works for you. One size fits all. And I know that scales, and it wouldn't work if they didn't do it, but you know what? The Nigerian uh, bank scam that people keep sending out, well, that works too, and I guess that scales. And yeah. it's funny because I was talking to my son this morning about the old days where young men would run paper routes in neighborhoods. And that scaled too. At one point in our life, we woke up, probably when we were 15 or 16, and said, wait a minute. Why are we doing the newspaper's work for them? We, the lowest paid guy in the newspaper chain, are going door to door dropping newspapers for pennies per house. Why are we even doing that? And that's what some suppliers see the distributor model is. Where their peons go out there, it's scalable. So, so blast a sale cat catalog out there, blast a discount out there, and they'll just jump. No, I beg you, do not jump. Just because it's on sale doesn't make it right. I've got an order right now from one of the world's biggest pen makers, and they've flooded the market with interruption, 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 and they're on 15 days. Do you have 15 days for a project? I don't. But they've flooded the market. So they've, they've created this false sense of, uh, false sense of urgency probably driven by stockholder demands that we get out there and we move the big click stick. Everybody go move the big click stick. Well, I've got orders from him and it would be a better thing for my client to sell him something else yeah. because the time delay is stupid and it's stupid because they cut their margins because they're trying to fill some imaginary hurdle that they need to jump over until the distributors take back the honor of their art and stop being puppets we're going to continue to to be reactionary instead of proactionary. Yeah, I love that. I'm I'm I, actually I I'm it. taking notes. <laughs> Bob, you need to take notes, buddy. <laughs> you need to take notes. Stop I, uh, I, I, he's a nice man and he's got good hair. <laughs> oh my God, does he ever? Now speaking speak, speaking of a man who has no hair, not not you, but. Uh, um, when, when, when I hear you speak, Cameron, and I know that you're a big fan of this guy, um, Seth Godin is, is I, I'm hearing a lot of Seth Godin's theory applied in real life, which I think is so refreshing about a guy like you, that you've been able to take, the, take these concepts and really make them work. Um, something that we'll post uh, in, in, in the introduction, Bobby, when, when we put this up, up online is a reference to a Seth Godin post from, uh, I think it was 2005, 2006, called Small is the New Big. Yeah. And th 
I, I, Cameron, your brand is exactly that, right? You're, you're not the, you know, uh, uh, one of the larger distributors out there with 200 salespeople and a hundred million dollars in revenue. But I imagine you've got a client base that is incredibly loyal, very, very, you probably have no one competing against you. Um, good margins, solid, solid business that really subscribes to this idea of small as the new big. Um, it's a much more enviable business model, I must admit. Okay, I, I need to make a couple of disclaimers. Uh, first of all, I had hair like Bobby until I saw Seth, and then I cut it all off to be more like Seth. <laughs> yeah. Really, but not really. Um, every good idea I've ever had, I stole from Seth Gooden, and my colleagues and clients, Brains on Fire in Greenville, South Carolina. Yeah. Everything I've ever learned, I stole from them. They yeah. are my heroes. They're also one of my favorite clients. They, they get movements, and they do great work. Um, I've never had an original thought in my life. This company is a shameless ripoff of Fight Club, because Fight Club, and I'm sure you dignified gentlemen have never seen such a trashy movie, <laughs> but... But Fight Club's mm. basically the story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, retold in a modern age. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, two men in one body, fighting inside themselves. That's what I'm doing. Because yeah. part of me loves great things and, and loves making a connection and loves doing great work. But part of me puts logos on koozies. And my industry yeah. has a pattern and practice of doing really shitty <laughs> work because it's easy. And, and that's my disconnect. I don't want to be what I'm not trapped into, but what I've fallen into. I fought right. getting into this business for six months with my biggest client. They asked me to get in this business, and I said, I'm not going to be a koozie monger. I had a koozie monger. He's, a, he's, he's still a competitor of mine. I could say we're friends, but it's passive-aggressive. Not so much. <laughs> and I said, I don't want to be that guy. And I'll never forget the day of that intervention when Lisa Marie said to me, number 11, she said to me, you would not be that guy. You would do it differently. And mm -hmm. I didn't understand what she was saying. I, I couldn't hear it. And we fought tooth and nails. And they're like, you need to do this. You'd be great at this. And they're still one of my absolute favorite clients ever. And we do some really disruptive things for them. And we do not do koozies for them. <laughs> um. I, I'm interested, and I, I'm, maybe I'm uh, I'm asking some of these questions uh, more as like the voice of other distributors, right? Maybe more traditional distributors. Um, uh, yeah. Here, so my question, I'm curious around the sales process for you guys, because when I look at your site, and I, I like Cameron, you and I are brothers in another in another age, right? So I get your brand through and through. I think you're you're incredible with what you've done. Um, but when I look at your site, it's almost as though, and you can tell, correct me if I'm wrong, that you are going out of your way to make it totally unclear what kind of business you're in. So I, I'm really interested in the sales process, right? Because you're clearly not selling to the purchasing guys at a bank, but you're selling to the more creative representative of, 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 uh, of an organization. Now they're looking for promotional gear. You don't talk about promotional gear on your site at all, right? And if you were to go to another more tr traditional site, just Google them, there's millions of horrible websites out there. 
they're horrible, but at least it's really clear that you can get a promotional product from it. In in your site, you're going out of your way to <laughs> to distance yourself from that altogether. So, how, from a marketing and sales perspective, walk me through how you land BMW. How do you land Mini? All right, let's back up with the site since you brought it up. Yep. The reason everybody else's site is identically the same doesn't come back to the fact that it's right. It comes back to the fact that most people are sheep and that this is the way our neighbors do it, so this is the way it has to be done. Our sales process involves sitting around a campfire, sitting around a bar, sitting around any event and letting our hair down. We're a story yeah. company. And once distributors get trapped into thinking that they're a distributor of koozies and trinkets, they're screwed. We have the ability to give our clients something that tells their story in a manner that's elegant and efficient. And it doesn't have to be expensive. Yeah. It just has to be authentic. Our website, swagclub.biz, intentionally, I hate to say pokes sport at uh, the conventional things. I like to talk about stories. We're a story company and we help our clients tell their stories. The actual tools are kind of immaterial. Like you said, I doubt that anyone's story has been really furthered by a car magnet or a kitchen clip chip. That doesn't mean we don't do them, but those aren't typically things people steal from each other. We, we're, we started a kerfuffle at one of the biggest ad agencies in the state because someone stole the Tervis tumblers we did for Christmas from someone else. And we almost changed our tagline to swag worthy of stealing because it was such a big deal. When you try to find swag worth stealing, that doesn't mean Tervis Tumblr is the end-all beat-all. It means something that's authentic to your brand is the end-all beat-all. Right. And what made the Tervis Tumblr for our self-promo at Christmas perfect is because for tax reasons, we're a drinking company. We're hard-drinking <laughs> ad people, and we exist on makers and sometimes scotch, usually washed down with cigars and pipes. There, that, that's authentic to us. If you're from a teetotaling background, that probably doesn't make sense. If you're a beer maker, that probably doesn't make sense. So the la last batch of Laserette shot glasses we did for Ad Club, those were perfect because there were shot glasses with our bombs on it with the special liquor that was handmade in Greenville. Hmm. We look for that kind of connection, not for stuff that's cookie cutter. Yeah. And I think most of the websites pretty much every swag website I've ever seen was so focused on, hey, look at these tools. You could use them too. your logo here. Well, your logo here doesn't mean anything anymore. In yeah. fact, I would say the most elegant pieces we've ever done didn't need a logo on them at all because they worked without the logo. That doesn't mean we don't put the logo on it. We do because we can, but you don't need to. It's right. It's right. Cameron, something I've seen you've you've done through through the couple of years that I've been observing your, you is um, you've built community first 
and connected extremely well. And we were just having this conversation just this week. Eric and I here in our office were having this conversation about the website, The Art of Manliness. And we were talking about some of the products they sell on their website. And we were talking about how they had gained authenticity from their through their audience's eyes before they ever put a product to sell in front of them. Same thing yep. with, with Put This On, the website Put This On. I'm getting into too much dandyism here at this point. but um, Could you be any more effete or... Um metrosexual really <laughs> now that's that's canadian cameron that's not me that's canadian so okay. so like like and put this on does the same thing uh but the art of manliness we'll get back to that one before we get to cameron sites again um you, that, that's what you're doing with this community and what's so refreshing i know this will this is going to be one of those episodes that i'm going to make sure all my friends listen to because i actually and mark does too we talk to a lot of distributors and I know many that are frustrated. And your approach to the business, what I love about it, you made a statement, the honor of the art. Suppliers have trained distributors how to sell. And it's not, I'm not knocking suppliers here, but I know the best suppliers that are still really in, in it. And it would, I would be, this would be my focus too if I were a supplier. They're about moving SKUs. Well, when we're talking with our clients, it's not about moving SKUs. It's about achieving objectives. And this impacts marketing. I've had a conversation with a supplier I respect, probably one of the most respected suppliers in the business, about promoting product through things like your Facebook feed and your Twitter feed and all those kinds of things. And we have got uh, your your approach is just so refreshing. I don't have a question, Cameron, as much as just an acknowledgement. You know, lifting the honor of the art, like Bruce Perryman, who we hope to have on the broadcast soon, is the one that once told me, "Stop using the word industry and start using the word profession." Oh, we're using the phrase studio now internally because we're not running a sweatshop we're running an art studio and let me tell you something because you both have children i believe yeah every child is an artist every child hmm. every one of us is too no question i think that we get rid of that uh it's pounded and beaten out of us yep and that's what uh, 81 said the other day my in-house one of my in-house graphic designers said the artist is what remains after the after the government school system has beat it out of them, and I challenge everyone in our industry to find their art. Mm. And and so, we have such a palette to play with. We have lasers for yeah, God's sake. I agree. We have jetpacks. Yeah. What a fun industry to do it in. What a great business. What a great profession to be to to be differentiating. I mean, there's no. We've got no excuse. It's really shameful. And when you look at the self-promo that most of us do, it, it really would make you throw up in your mouth. It's koozies and coasters and, and stress balls because that's all we think that we're worth. Instead yeah. of digging a little deeper and maybe doing some Jingle Bell nipple clamps or some really cool <laughs> Spartan swords. Or, uh, Bobby does those. Actually, I have one yeah, right now. Yeah. Yeah. You need hey, me Cameron. to post a picture? <laughs> yeah, I'll send you one. No, I've got Cam- one. <laughs> Cameron, I, 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 here's, here's a, a, here's a kind of a doozy of a question here for you. But I, I you know, you're being honest, and, and the, the, this is, this is, uh, this is, we're having so much fun here. Um, it, um, the subtext of all of this, and, and correct me if I'm taking out of this out of context or, or if I'm, you know, misinterpreting this, is that um, the industry that you're a part of. Um, I don't want to be putting words in your mouth, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I am going to. That it feels to me that you're, 
you've tried to distance yourself from this industry so much because there's almost a certain amount of embarrassment that you have for being a part of this business that pushes koozies and your logo here and this almost anti-artistic approach. Um, and, and I hear a lot of bad in the industry. And believe me, like I can identify with a lot of that too. But is there, what is, what are, what are the good parts of the industry? Where, or, and maybe another way of asking it is, what have you learned and benefited from the, the, your logo here, the koozie guys? Like, is there a silver lining in this? Or is it all bad? <laughs> all right, it's time I put my sights on you, Mr. Canadian. <laughs> Uh-oh. Right I'm sleeve. Now. I, I've pissed you yeah, off. Yeah, you've done it. Yeah. Right sleeve. Are you shitting me? Okay. I want to tell you my absolute favorite story ever of the first time I made a client cry. Okay. <laughs> her name is Gnome, and her logo is a gnome. And it's so stinking cute. I mean, it truly is one of the cutest logos ever. It's this rumpled gnome hat, and it's just stinking cute. Yep. Now, I'm not opposed to putting a logo on a right sleeve. That's absolutely appropriate. I actually have my swagclub.biz on my right sleeve today. That said... I can have my lawyers contact you. <laughs> ha- have them call me. Yeah. You wouldn't believe our attorneys. On the other hand... I bet you've got a few. <laughs> when we were doing a project for Gnome, and it was for a beer company, Dogfish or somebody like that, and it was a canvas tote, and she was putting her logo on this tote. Yep. yep. And it was, it was a nice messenger pack it was 30 40 bucks whatever i got a call from the stitching room saying this logo is too good to use this way i said what are you talking about they're like this is beautiful this is stunning this is better than patch quality i've never seen anything as pretty in my life you need to stop this project now well i had them send me in one of the bags and sure as it was chest clutching beautiful well, I showed Gnome, and she looked at it, and she said, what are you thinking, Swag? I said, I'm thinking you go to your closet, and you get some stuff. Now, you got to understand Gnome. Gnome is not your typical Talbots or Walmart shopper. She is one of, the mo- one of the seven most eclectic women on the planet, and she's got her own vibe, and it's, it's, it's electric. She's a good-looking girl, but she's got real moxie, and she's got a lot of pluck and cheek. Well, she went through her closets... And she pulled out some things that only Gnome could wear. Things like bustiers and some leathery things and some lacy things and some uh, pedals. Uh, a lot of things. Probably two dozen pieces that were uniquely hers. Then we put this logo that probably topped out at, I don't know, 11, 12,000 stitches, whatever. It was a metric yeah. ton of stitches, but who cares? It was gorgeous. And we hid it in places that looked like her it was quirky it was eclectic some of it was where a tat would fall on your shoulder or down at your hemline some of it was in tone on tone some of it was in fluorescent it was quirky and plucky and totally unexpected it was not right sleeve it was everywhere but right sleeve so when the product shipped i was there when the boxes arrived and the canvas bags were perfect and she held her chest and it was awesome. But when she opened her own stuff, 
that was hers and only hers, she cried like a little girl because she knew. I, I think what I take from that is, I think, I think another way of asking the question is, when, when you walk the, the show floor at a regional show or an ASI show or a PPAI expo, or, uh, what, do you, what do you learn when you're in that traditional industry environment? Um, is it run for the hills? Is it, you know, you see a couple of cool things and you're out of there? I think that's really what, I'm, what, 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 what I was curious about. Because I can tell um, you my own story around this, but this is about you for now. Well, the last time I went to one of those shows, uh, it was AIA, Adventures in Advertising. And Were you an affiliate? I was. I was, I was working with an AIA affiliate, and they were doing a, a fancy dress dinner. And I'll never forget, I appreciate the elegance of a fancy dress dinner, and I might have been wearing a tux or a bow tie or whatever, along yeah. with a bunch of tarted up beautiful women. And they were talking about dollar volume and they were calling up dollar volume awards. And they called up some schmuck from lower part of Florida whose business name, I shit you not, was low cost with your logo on it or something like that. And he came awesome. up in flip-flop shoes, uh, gym shorts and a t-shirt that he hadn't washed in three days. And I thought to myself, I thought, you know, if somebody who cares that little about themselves can make this much money, what would a professional do? Now, I'm not saying that shows are a waste of time. I'm saying that shows are a waste of time. Stop going to shows and start spending time where your clients are. Go to your clients' shows. I went to one of my clients' shows last year, right about this time, and I ran her booth with her. And we owned that room and we didn't own that room because i'm so good we own that room because i could see what was going on and we learned so much from running her booth with her and we saw our competitors and our competitors booths look like mr haney's trinket wagon <coughs> getting in your client's feet getting in your client's sandbox that's so much more valuable than going to our own shows that's huge everything you need to see is on the interwebs you don't you, yes, you need to have relationships with suppliers. And yes, when Right Sleeve starts putting lasers on stuff, we'll send more work to Right Sleeve or whatever. But at the end of the day, your better investment of time as a distributor is understanding your client's pains, not your own features and benefits. Fantastic advice. Uh, it, it, Cameron, you've been involved in some other nonprofit type. I'm going to call it nonprofit just for generalities, but without going into too much detail, because we have a list of questions we want to ask you as well. Bovina, am I pronouncing that right? Bovanova, kind of ah, like Bossa man. Nova. But that's Music right. Style. Sorry, man. It's right in front of me. Bovanova. Can you explain that a little bit? And how do you recommend other distributors do what you do as far as connecting with people on such a strong level, on such a uh, nonprofit or, or you know, just passionate basis with others that are outside the realm of selling promotional items? I guess the short version of Bovanova, which has its own website at bovinova.com, Bovinova like Bossa Nova. My roommate in my Greenville office came in one day a couple of years ago all agitated. He's an excitable boy, one big rhino on the Twitters. Rhino said, hey, swag, 
I saw some some cooking a cow in Argentina. You reckon we could do that? I said, yes, sir. I believe we could. If we had enough time, money. He says, well, I got time and I know you got money. So let's get it on. So me and Rhino and three other very close comrades of ours built from scratch a cow roasting device. In hindsight, we could have just taken the wheels off a damn boat trailer, but who knew? Anyway, <laughs> we built this fucker, and it is unbelievable. And you can cook about a 2,000 or 1,500-pound cow. Bob, we have got one of those in the backyard. Actually, everybody in Oklahoma has one of those in the backyard. Okay, well, anyway, I bet they don't have what we had. No, actually, there's enough buzz that the Wall Street Journal said reporter and embedded with us for the weekend. And when the Wall Street Journal put us on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, we knew we were legit. Now, the first year we had five what we call founding equity partners who put some skin in the game and built it from scratch. The second year we opened it up because we had so much good buzz about it. And we brought in about 50 other partners that, that manned up with some money or some time or some talent. And we had about 800 people show up. With the second year gave the proceeds to Wounded Warriors and one of the local colleges that we've all got some connection to, Spartanburg Methodist College. For 3.0, for Bovinova 2013, we will certainly have uh, more opportunities for partners, more opportunities for sponsorships, and we'll have charities of our choosing. It, it may be the same, it may be different, I don't know. That's, that's a committee decision, and I don't make committee decisions. But we created an event that was so counterintuitive. The first year it was one cow, six sheep and a goat. The second year it was one cow, three or four pigs, eight or 10 turkeys, more chickens than you can count, and a llama. Now for the next year, I don't know what it's gonna be, but there's been talk of emu, there's been talk of buffalo, there will always be a cow. There's been talk of a velociraptor, I don't know, but we're gonna do it and it's gonna be big. And it runs all night long, we had a rave, we had a fire breather. We had Chinese lanterns and explosives. It was a pretty, pretty bad time. <laughs> you, you know what? I, you know what I hear. Um, some one commonality that distributors can take away because Cameron, you know our purpose here. You know, with Promo Kitchen, we're thrilled to have a guy like you on because you represent what we are trying to achieve with Promo Kitchen. With Promo Kitchen, but one uh, commonality I'm seeing, I see this with you and with Bovinova. And with uh, Brand Fuel and and Danny and Brand and, uh, Band together, and I talked to another distributor about a month ago who started a triathlon. They're not being opportunistic; they're actually building authentic community, and they're being philanthropic, and they're and they're just going towards passions of theirs. But it is interesting how our business can fold so easily into working well with these we bring something to the table we bring an element of fun we bring an element of of business to the table but there's a lot of nonprofits that work really well with our uh, businesses a lot of distributors have found some passionate objective to focus on if a distributor can't find something to be passionate about he might need to just go get him a job at the dmv and process license plates because if you can't be passionate about something you need to go home our toolbox is infinite and the swag that we build for Bovanova, it's worth having. And it's not a shameless ripoff of your typical golf tournament. But if you care about golf, run your own golf tournament or run your own habitat house build or run your own day in the park with uh, rescue dogs. Run something 
and do something you care about. Don't just phone it in. I think I think the the problem with our industry is it looks like easy money. The margins are high. Re- return rates are really good. But the bigger issue is if you're not connecting a community, you are pissing up a rope. It's a medical term. <laughs> I just want to say for the record, uh, in the course of this 50-minute podcast, I have uh, – I just quickly checked my email and I had about 12 messages that just came through and uh, I would say how many uh, – seven of them would be defined as interruption nonsense from either suppliers or just losers that are trying to get my attention, right. each of which have been marked as spam including the ones from the suppliers that have no permission to send send this out. So it, uh, this is getting me riled up too. So Yeah, me too. Cameron, so let's get back to some 101s for people that are starting their business. What, what, what advice do you have for them starting out? I think job one is you have to eat your own dog food. If you're not actively engaged in putting your own logo on your own stuff, you're a fool. You're going to make some mistakes. You're going to buy some stuff that doesn't make sense. You're going to learn from that. If you don't have the credibility of walking the walk and talking the talk, you're cutting your own throat. Don't go cheap. Distributors have a leg up on purchasing their own stuff. You're buying it at wholesale. Buy it and buy good stuff and buy stuff that raises the bar. One of my competitors had the cheek to send koozies to an ad club event a couple years ago that was the worst thing he could have done for his business the mockery that that circled around that he'd have been better off to put the money in a stack and burn it than to send that crap <laughs> was it robin promotions no is that did it, it have robin robin. Promotions on it? No. uh i can't speak to that but i know this <laughs> money well spent isn't going with the cheapest supplier and it isn't going with the free setup, free shipping guys. It's going for stuff that speaks to you. The, the, the most recent pen that we did for ourselves is so uniquely ours. It doesn't even need the logo on it. It's perfect. It's pink. It's green. It's elegant. It's metal. Yeah, it's three bucks. Who cares? What's one referral worth? Cameron, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a question that feel free to say. I'm not going to answer that on the air, but... I, I can hear a distributor starting out going, man, what Cameron's building there, I, I, I can I can do that. My problem is, um, does building a business like yours come at a cost? And when I say a cost, I mean a cost in terms of you could, with your skill, talent, and ability, build a koozie-monging business and bank a lot of money. But there is a difference in deciding, you know what, I'm going to build something I'm proud of and I'm passionate about. And that will come at a cost. It could mean that I don't see the money as quickly as I could. Is that a decision you made a long time ago? Or that's just a part of your DNA that you don't even have to ask that question? There's a biblical injunction to build your foundation. If you build your foundation on crap and on churning orders... You're, you're going to, to be in a leaky house. Make good decisions. Make good investments in your swag. Make good investments in your tribe. That's money well spent. There's no easy money. There is no easy money. And if this looks too hard, you'd be better off doing something else. Yes, you can build a 
one-size-fits-all website that automates all sorts of stuff and ships stuff in 24 hours. That's not going to feed your soul. That's just going to turn money until it collapses, and it will collapse. So, Mark, do you have any final questions before we get into the questions? Um, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't, I've asked all my questions. Okay. I've asked all my questions. Okay. <laughs> all right. This is great, Cameron. This is fantastic. Okay. So Cameron, we said this is the first time we're doing this and we sent you a list of questions uh, that we have to ask. Kind of, kind of going along the lines of James Lipton's famous 10 questions when you watch inside the actor's studio. I'm, I, I don't, not that I record that or anything, um, but we have 10 questions and we'll just start with the questions and go from there. Cameron, what is your favorite word? Fantastic. Fantastic. Number two, room, desk, and car. Which do you clean first? Car. I work out of my car. I live out of my car. My car is my office. My car is my house. I love my car. Three, favorite. I just got her watch today. (laughs) She went from being Miss Norma Jean, because she was nasty, to being Marilyn Monroe. She's a big blonde. (laughs) Mark, do you drive a big blonde? You drive a little red thing. Uh... (laughs) It is not a big blonde. It is a small <laughs> redhead mini. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Cameron, number three favorite animated film? The Hobbit. Yeah. That that goes with the Cameron vibe for sure. Number four favorite beverage? Makers and Makers, a little bit of ice. Mm, I thought it was going to be Hendrix. I like Hendrix. I like Hendrix. It's a nice touch. Makers and Makers. All right, number five, first Mars visit. You can only take the complete works of one artist and author with you. Who are they? C.S. Lewis. He wrote everything. He did science fiction. He did theology. He did Narnia. He did everything. Uh, you and I will have to have a long discussion about Out of the Silent Planet, Paralandra, and more. Love that. What if about- I could get the funding, we would make that movie. We'd make three or four of them, obviously. It's, it's a beautiful series. Beautiful series. Well, people are surprised. They don't know he wrote science fiction. What excites you about our industry? We've talked about that a little bit. There's an infinity of things we can do for our clients to help them tell their stories. Infinity. What deflates you about our industry? Number seven. That top five items from the top five suppliers door to door. The fact that you can go to any trade show in America and every booth is the same. That's not the client's fault. That's the distributor's fault. Hmm. Number eight. What profession other than our own would you like to attempt? Cult leader. Wait. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I got that. Number nine, what profession would you not like to do? Order taker, government employee, guy selling stamps. <laughs> and the final question, favorite app software at the moment? Or software, period, digital tool? There's an app for the Twitter. It's called Foursquare. It has fundamentally changed my life because I can see where my inner circle is Anytime they want to be seen. And I'm in the job of being at the point of maximum impact. And that means finding my tribe and breaking bread with them and drinking beer with them and finding them where they are. I never eat lunch alone. I usually have two lunches. I never, ever lack for entertainment because my inner circle self-selects. Hey, I'm here. If they don't want to be interrupted, they put DND. If they want to party, they say, let's chat. And anytime I'm in downtown Greenville or Spartanburg or on the Autobahn between Charlotte and Atlanta, 
I know where the people I want to hang out with are. And we will have chance meetups and hang out. And I don't mean that in a creepy stalker way. They want to be hung out with. And so do I. Brilliant. Well, Cameron, we've, we have, uh, this is actually technically the longest podcast we have ever recorded. And I feel That's like we, said. <laughs> we could go on for another hour. Uh, Mark, any final words, comments? I, uh, <laughs> the thing I was going to say is, you, you know, we've had this, uh, this discussion around the term swag for, quite some time, you know, even predating this podcast and there's been, we've had a whole host of uh, opinions and bad and, you know, of course this is a term that has been central to how we've positioned ourselves as a distributor over the years and I know Bobby, you know, you've used it as well and there's, you know, there's good and bad and I think what's really neat about this podcast is that we're, we're speaking to a guy that, you know, has taken swag and all of its anything that would be perceived as negative about it and just put it up on a pedestal and you know imbued it with art and you know meaning and and you know this cultishness that I don't think we've seen before so it's it, it that's not a question it's just more of a statement and just saying all those people that view the term swag as being bad and you know I think if you've got a bad promotional product then yeah maybe 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 that's where that comes from, but I think if you're ordering gear from a guy like Cameron, you're you're you know you're getting to something that's got this real emotional connection tied to it. So, um, good on you, buddy. And I've I want to we have to tell you, Cameron. We we were bouncing back and forth. Mark and I were like, um, is is this going to be out of the out of this world? Because his you know his persona online. Will will it be the same persona when we get on the air? And I have to tell you, you exceeded our expectations today, my friend. Stop that! You, you did, and and I took notes. I, here's some notes that I am wrapping up with this: contrapositive, the honor of the art, expensive versus authentic, the Dunbar theory. There's some lot of good. There's a lot of good material in here, and I will be listening to this again, even though I participated in it. And we're proud to have uh, been a part of hanging with you today. Cool. I'm honored that you would think of me and trying to help other distributors suck less because I want to see them suck less. <laughs> we got to hook you up with Danny Rose and a brand fuel. Yeah, you two guys <laughs> would hit it off really, really well. Uh, well, that is uh, all our time we have, unfortunately. And we, Cameron, we may have to circle around and have another conversation if you wouldn't mind on the Promo Kitchen podcast because this has been a lot of fun. Um, if you are a listener, a member of the tribe, we would love for you to take a moment to comment, give us some feedback. We want to know how to suck less in Cameron's words. See, I can't even say it and sound as cool as Cameron does, but um, we would like to improve things. We'd love to have you on the podcast. We'd love to to, to do what Cameron Popkin is doing out there every day, and that is elevating and honoring the art of what we do and not diminishing it or participating in the negativity that surrounds, oftentimes, swag. Cameron? Thank you. Thanks again, I'm brother. Honored. All right, man. And we'll have Thanks. that uh, we'll have that C.S. Lewis discussion soon. We have to. Excellent! I can't wait. All right. Mark. All right. Take care, guys. That All right, was guys. Awesome.